The Interim Leader podcast is brought to you by Odgers Interim, the UK's number one interim management provider. Hi, I'm Bambos Seraklias, and welcome to another episode of the media and entertainment podcast from Odgers Interim. This month, we're looking back at the first half of the year with media commentator and journalist Kate Bulkley, with a particular focus on the new wave of consolidation and M&A activity within the sector. We'll be discussing the trends that have developed, what consolidation could mean for our public service broadcasters, and what could follow next as competitors strive for more growth and scale. Kate, hi. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Nice to be here. Uh, you're usually based in, in the UK, but um, you're in the US at the moment. You've been there for a few months, if I've, if I've got that right. Yes, I've been here for, oh my goodness, nine months, I think. Um, we sort of looked at the way the COVID was going and we decided we would um, base ourselves in a, in a cottage by the lake. So that's where we are. Sounds delightful. Sounds delightful. Well, you're not, you're not missing much here. It, it was sunny for about two days. And now that's stopped. So, so there you go. That sounds like Britain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that hasn't changed at all. Let's start by looking back at the at the first half of the year. It's been it's been a long six months for obvious reasons. But I'll be keen to hear from you what your highlights have been and what really stands out for you looking back. Yeah, you're right. It's been a, it's been an interesting six months. It's been a it's been a very full six months. I'd say as a somebody who's a business uh, journalist, looking at what's been going on in M and A has been amazing. Um, but in terms of sort of big trends, that's one of them. But I would also say that it's kind of a renewed focus on how to scrutinize the dominance of the big tech companies. I mean, I think there's a lot of that going on. Whether it's going to actually come to fruition, I don't know. But governments uh, in the U.S. and also in the U.K. and around the world are starting to look at the dominance these companies have. And I'm talking about Amazon and Facebook, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, what would what would that do? For example, Congress is looking here in the States is looking at um, forcing Facebook to potentially spin off Instagram uh, and WhatsApp, which would obviously be a, a pretty big blow. So it's interesting at the same time that the tech companies are just growing like crazy. I mean, through COVID and, and continuing into this um, Q1 this year and now into Q2 and on, they're just, they're not losing their power, if you see what I mean. In other words, this whole thing was like, oh, post-COVID, people won't watch as much Netflix or something. They won't buy as much on Amazon. Well, that's not proving to be true. So that's interesting. So I th- sort of, I think, uh, increased scrutiny of dominance of big tech, what to do about it, if you can do anything. I think another trend that I've seen is just, um, I guess it's the ramping up of the streaming wars. Uh, as we see the legacy media companies, and I'm talking about, you know, HBO Max and uh, these kind of companies, um, Viacom, CBS, trying to work out what to do in streaming in a big way, trying to do a Netflix, so to speak. Uh, we're seeing a lot of movement in that area, which, of course, brings us to M&A, which, of course, is another big trend. Um, I think the other thing I would say is uh, there's a lot of pressure, let's say increased pressure on what does a public service broadcaster do or be, or what should their definition be in this new world, the new streaming world? How much should they be funded by governments? Should they be funded? Uh, should they be allowed to take advertising? Will they even exist um, in 10 years, 15 years? And if so, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think that's an interesting trend. And then the last thing I would say is that, you know, we're just seeing increased uh, upward pressure on the cost of talent and production. And obviously, because I write about the media space, um, we can talk about platforms and we can talk about subscribers, but it's all driven by content. And if 
if there's a frenzy of of companies trying to get the best content or more content to drive subscriptions, obviously that's drawing up the cost of talent and that's having impacts all over the, the media scape. Yeah, lots of interesting stuff there. And um, and hopefully we'll pick up on, on all of that in a, in a bit more detail as we move through the conversation. But I wanted to, to touch on, in terms of a first point, mergers and acquisitions and, and consolidation. I mean, we, we've had the streaming wars. We're now, now going to have the consolidation wars, if I can coin that phrase. It's certainly started. And I guess before COVID, we had the likes of Disney Fox. We had Comcast Sky. Then there was a bit of a hiatus. Then we had, then we had COVID. And now with Warner Media and Discovery, um, Amazon and MGM, it seems to be taking off again. Just to just to start that discussion, what is what is behind this? What is what, what is driving all of that? Well, I think um, you almost have to step back and and look at sort of the big players. And you know, I I talk a lot to a, a guy that I really appreciate his vision. His name is Evan Shapiro, and he does something called the Meta Map. In other words, what's going on with media? And one of the things that he told me recently is he said, "You've got to remember that we've got at least." seven trillion dollar death stars and what he means by that is you've got these big players you've got amazon google facebook microsoft apple tencent alibaba the two big um, chinese ones and these are huge companies they have essentially unlimited resources and they have big appetites to continue to grow and that is really driving uh i would say everything in terms of media, because anyone who's trying to stand out, catch up, remain viable, remain relevant, remain in business has to sort of compete with these guys. And, and that is what's, I think, basically driving the M&A, because it's all about scale. It's about scale because it's all about how many subscribers you can get, how quickly. I mean, there's a real race for you know how fast you can get to a certain number of subscribers that will actually make your business viable. I mean, even someone as big as Disney with Disney Plus. I mean, they're looking at, you know, when are they going to actually make uh, make a profit? It'll probably be 2023, 2024. I mean, you know, that's huge investments these companies are having put in to make this, this pivot, let us say, to streaming if you're in the legacy business. And they're working against these big companies that have these unlimited, um, I call them very deep pockets. So <laughs> I think I think that's what's really what's really driving it. And of course, it's its scale is it's all about eyeballs. It's about Content, again, we talked about um, the cost of content. Everybody needs new content, unique content. Why did Disney Plus launch with Mandalorian and just talk about it, you know, till the cows went home? Because that was their tentpole. That was their content that was going to drive people to Disney Plus, right? And they're continuing to do that. And now you're seeing the big legacy media companies even basically moving away from what we call the traditional distribution windows, you know, sort of you come out in cinema first and then you do pay TV and then eventually get some free TV. No, 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 no. Now they're doing it all at the same time. So you see the big movies are getting debuted on these streaming services because of course that's helping drive subscribers to either come and join or to stay. Cause uh, again, mm. the future is all going to be about stickiness. Yeah. So obviously in, in terms of growth, one of the areas that you can grow is by joining forces with someone else, whether that's a, a joint venture, a merger or an acquisition. But where are the other sources of growth going to come from apart from just your traditional content? I mean, we've seen Netflix recently tentatively move into the world of gaming. We have seen Spotify, I mean, taking it away from TV, uh, moving into the world of podcasts. Will we see 
Disney, for example, become a gaming company as well as a podcasting company and so on and so forth? Is it a, is it a lot easier for them? And does it then, sorry, I'm throwing a lot of questions at you here, I know, but does it then leave a platform like Spotify at risk of them being acquired by someone else because they are just, I say just audio, but they are audio? Yeah. I mean, well, there's a lot of questions there. The first one I'd say is like a company like Spotify, yes, they're expanding into podcasting, but will it be enough would be my question. In other words, will it be enough for them to actually remain independent and to grow their business or will they eventually be eaten up by somebody else, you know, AKA Facebook or somebody who wants to get big into audio? I think the other point you made was something about uh, Netflix moving into gaming. Yes, they're moving into gaming, but they're moving into gaming in a very interesting way. There's there's two schools of thought on this. And again, remember, I'm a business journalist, so I'm covering this from sort of, you know, what's happening to their stock price, what's happening to their, you know, the way that the analysts are talking about them. And what I say is that, you know, Netflix obviously had a pretty bad recent quarter. In other words, they lost, uh, I think it was 430,000 subscribers in the US. So they've almost, they've reached what you might call a saturation point in terms of how the sort of this rampant, you know, out of the box growth wave that they've been had, you know, since the beginning, because they were really the, they were really the first streaming company to focus really on video entertainment. That's all they did, right? That's, they were like the HBO of the streaming age, if you can, if I can put it that way. So anyway, but they've now hit a bit of a wall. And so one of the one of the ideas that you look at, well, they're moving into gaming because it's a way to deflect, you know, in other words, okay, well, look what's happening over here, this shiny object. <laughs> Don't worry about our main business. That's one that's one answer. The other answer is that it makes a lot of sense because the way Reed Hastings is talking about gaming is he's not talking about, you know, trying to go up against Google Stadia or Microsoft X Cloud or, you know, these sort of console game type stuff. He's talking about mobile gaming, right? Yeah. And he's talking about putting these mobile games on basically as part of their subscription. So to make their subscription stickier or, you know, more relevant so people won't leave. The idea is to continue to have as many, I mean, what have they got? 209 million paying subscribers right now. They don't want to lose any more of those. All right. So maybe the growth is lessening so they've got to at least work on keeping what they've got making these subscribers stay and also i think it's about pricing power you know they don't want to get into a you know a what I, we call a price war right oh netflix now it's only 3.99 a month you know that kind of stuff you don't want to get into that that's bad so he's trying to basically move into other things like gaming like uh, i mean ted sarandos who is their content guru said at banff recently he said you know we're, we might look at buying production companies that's pretty new for Netflix. Have you ever done that before? They've got this shop thing now they're doing where you can buy, you know, things related to the show, mm. like Stranger Things merchandise. I mean, whether that's going to work, I don't know. But again, it's about making the whole thing sticky. It's not about making that a standalone business that's going to suddenly, you know, be a, a huge, huge thing. And they're also in podcasting. So I think what's happening with Netflix is, you know, how are they pivoting to sort of take on this next phase where they're not the one that's driving the new subscription model. So I, I think that's what's going on with them. If I'm reading it right, it's almost the reverse of what Amazon did with Amazon Prime and, and Amazon Video, right? Their video business is there to, to drive the traffic through to their, their shopping channels. And I guess uh, what Netflix are doing with, with things like their, their shopping experience, but also the gaming is, is to keep people there. It's, it's to combat this churn. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's about that. Now, one thing I think is the problem with it, by the way, is that if you're going to build games, even mobile games, based on your franchises, you know, maybe Black Mirror is a game. You know, yeah. okay, maybe Stranger Things is a game. Bridgerton? 
<laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I'm having a hard time. Anyway, so, so you know, it's not perfect. I think the other thing to, to say is when you look at somebody like Facebook, they're also diversifying what they're doing, right? I mean, what uh, Zuck, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, who runs the, runs the operation, he sort of got up on his hind legs last week and said, oh, it's all about the metaverse. And many of us went, the meta who? What are you talking about? So, you know, it's it. what Facebook is trying to do is they're saying, we're now moving to the next phase of entertainment. And what he wants is he wants to sort of have a, you know, physical reality, virtual reality, AR, augmented reality all together. It's a mashup of all these things. And this is vision of the metaverse. So you won't just be playing a game or watching a show. You'll be doing, you'll be watching it like you do now to a certain extent. You can, walk, you can go into Epic, into Fortnite and ha- watch a concert, right? Mm-hmm. with your friends that you game with. So it's this kind of moving the the business of Facebook beyond just some social apps into something else. Now, whether he's going to get there or not, who knows? But the point is that this is kind of the next phase, I think, for all these big companies, the big tech companies in particular. What are they trying, What you know, where are they trying to go? And I would say they're trying to take some of the success that they've seen in the gaming business and move it into their sort of entertainment type business and see if they can marry it up. But it's not easy. I mean, you mentioned Disney before getting into gaming. Disney has tried to get into gaming several times and it yeah. hasn't worked at all. Okay. So this is not, this is not easy stuff. I mean, you no nobody can just sort of magic up and say, we're going to become Epic games, you know, and we're going to write, unless you maybe buy Epic games, but I mean, it's, it's a different kind of uh, skill set. So that's another thing. I think all these companies are trying to figure out, New skill sets. You mentioned that you know Netflix has brought in some people from the gaming business and mm-hmm. the podcasting business because they, they need that expertise. They don't know how to do this. Yeah. So I think that's certainly what's going on in terms of trying to find new revenue streams, new ways to think about things. But it's really, in my mind, it's about holding on to your subscribers, making your platform the best or one of the ones that you will subscribe to. Because I don't think that people are going to have 25 subscriptions. Okay. I just think that's not going to work. It's going to be six, five, seven. I don't know, but you know, you want to be one of those and not everybody's going to make it. Yeah. Where do sports rights fit into all of this? (laughs) (laughs) Probably a podcast on its own, but. um... I think it's a podcast. I mean, sports, it's funny because having covered pay television for years, yeah, we, we always used to say, you know, there are two things that drive pay TV. It's, sports rights and movies, you know, Hollywood movies. And sports have almost taken on a life of, them, of their own. Um, and what we've seen over the past couple of years is sort of these um, companies like DAZN, for example, is a good example, sprung up from nowhere with people that sort of were refugees from ESPN or wherever they came from, sort of the traditional, more traditional sports networks or channels, and have sort of created something else. Sports rights you know, they're tough. You know, you've seen Amazon and, and Facebook dip their toe in the sports waters where they've said, okay, yeah, we'll stream, or even Google actually, we'll stream, you know, we'll stream a live game on our platform and see what happens. Amazon's slightly different because again, Amazon, as you said, it's it's almost like a lost leader. Video is almost a lost leader for them. It's like trying to get people into the universe of, you know, Amazon shopping, buy more, whatever it is. Uh, as opposed to, you know, entertainment first company, which isn't really Amazon's thing. So when they stream sports, you're just thinking, well, it's another way to get eyeballs, get traffic, get people into the Amazon house, and hopefully they'll stay there and do something that will be remunerative to Amazon. 
if we look at what's happening with Discovery right now, it's interesting because Discovery, this merger with WarnerMedia, interesting merger. Keep in mind, Discovery has a very big sports presence outside of the U.S. They, they own this little thing called the Olympics, of course, which is happening right now. Um, and they also own broadcaster Eurosport in Europe, which also has some branches around the world. And the idea is that, you know, when you take Warner Media and Discovery, you've got some interesting things there. You've got Warner Media with all their big brands or HBO, all that stuff. Then you've got Discovery, which is a big international footprint, and then all the sports stuff. Mm. And you sort of say, okay, that's interesting. So how is that going to drive things? We'll see. I think that sports worked in pay TV. I think it's maybe a little more complicated in streaming, particularly when you're a global platform, because sports has always been chopped up regionally so that people could you know make lots of money out of it so it's gonna it's gonna be a different world in terms of what the sports leagues and the rights associations and all these people figure out in terms of what they who they want to give their rights to for their live sporting events yeah in order to make as much money as they want to make and yet also you know feed the feed the beast which is the streaming beast in my Mm. mind and where where does this leave our old friends in public service broadcasting? I know I know that you have had some interesting conversations recently with PSBs from across across the world. It's uh, it seems like a common theme which which they're all combating. How do you see that side of a coin developing over the next few years? Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a huge amount of pressure on uh, public service broadcasters, and it's coming really from two fronts. One is obviously the streamers who are in other words, they aren't selling their content to the public service broadcasters anymore, kind of in the way it was done before. So the public service broadcasters, like everybody else, are trying to figure out what content they're going to have, where they need to double down. Most of them are saying become more local, which makes sense. But the other the other pressure is from the other commercial broadcasters in their markets. I mean, <laughs> public service broadcasters aren't aren't, well, it depends which country you're looking at, but there's also other broadcasters in those markets that are competing with them as well, usually. And so what's happening is we're getting these kind of interesting uh, pressures on PSBs from the commercial sector. So, for instance, in France, you've noticed that TF1 or TFA has been uh, merged with MCs. These are t- the two big commercial broadcasters. So they're basically there now be a unit up against France 2, which is France, you know, the, the France Television, which is the French public service broadcaster, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, in the UK, you know, obviously we've got the BBC, which is a huge beast relative to public service broadcasters. But when you look at it in comparison with the big tech platforms, you know, their budget in terms of content is like it's like small change. Netflix, what do they spend? $17 billion a year on content. That's Netflix. ITV is like, I don't know. It's 12 times the ITV budget for content. It's about eight times the BBC uh, content budget for the BBC on an annual basis. I mean, you know, it looks like they're minnows. So they've got this huge pressure to figure out not only what they're going to be in this new world, because there's so much content out there, there's so much everything out there, but how they fund it and where they're going to get that money from. Is it going to be the public purse? Is it going to be advertising? Is it going to be a mixed model? What I will say, I don't have the answers, but I will say the BBC, I think, is doing a really good job at the moment because Tim Davey comes from the commercial side of the world. He ran BBC Studios, which is their sort of commercial, it used to be BBC Worldwide, their commercial arm. And so he kind of gets the idea that the only way they're going to make it work is they're going to have to make co-productions with people like Netflix and Amazon. They're going to have to work together to get great content. And they're going to have to do as much selling as they can outside 
the UK, you know, on their channels, on BritBox, for example, is interesting, you know, move that they've made where they're, they've got a streaming service in conjunction with ITV and now Channel 4's, uh, which is the other pro- public service broadcaster in the UK, has joined it. So trying to fire up other ways <laughs> to make money that isn't just the license fee in the UK, where, you know, everyone who has a television has to pay a fee. Uh, so I think, you know, that's the pressure. And then the other pressure is, what do we want a public service broadcaster to do? Well, I think we want them to produce great news, fair, balanced news, because I think that's really the role of a public service broadcaster, particularly as we get into more shrill, politicized news around the world, right? I think we need that, and that needs to be supported. And I also think they need to help cement people together. I mean, there's a cultural, it's kind of, it's, it's difficult to talk about. It's like, what is the cultural context or, 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 you know, what is, what is Britain about? What is the U.S. about? What is France about? I mean, the French get it most clearly. They've been for very clear for decades that, you know, there are certain things about French culture that they want to protect, which is why they made very strict laws about how much content, for, for instance, Canal Plus, which was the pay TV operator and still there, had, could make and put out and what window they could do it in, et cetera, et cetera, trying to preserve French content. The, the PSBs around the world are also trying to figure that out. You know, how do we preserve some kind of cultural identity? And I think in this world where, you know, we're have less and less, let's say, community built around our are where we are. The communities are based on all kinds of things now, as opposed to just the country or, you know, it's not, you know, Vive la France or go Great Britain. It's it's based on, you know, well, you like cooking or you like cycling or whatever. So how do you get that community back in? And I think that's a big role of the PSBs. And I don't, I don't have an answer for it, but I think it's one of the things we have to look to preserve. Mm. You mentioned the consolidation bonanza in your recent article for the uh, RTS magazine. I'm, I'm going to ask you a tricky question now, so apologies in advance. Take a look into your, into your crystal ball and, and give us some predictions. Where do you think the next moves are going to be made? Well, <laughs> that is a big question. I mean, I think, you know, you have, I think, as I've said, you need content to get subscribers. You need content to get stickiness, which gets advertising. So content is entertainment the best drama, the best shows, I think are going to continue to see the hoovering up, if I can use that phrase, of of content-based companies by those who need to be bigger to know to have the scale. So for example, Lionsgate, which is, you know, a company that we've all been talking about, has been a sort of a target for a long time. I I, it, I think it continues to be a target. It was funny, last week they actually bought something themselves, so they're, <laughs> they're actually trying to beat themselves up. <laughs> Um, and so the question is whether they'll get big enough, fast enough to stay independent or whether they will be purchased by, I don't know, a Netflix or an Apple. Um, you know, that would be the the guesses on my part. Again, because Netflix and Apple are both interested in continuing to have the content that will help drive their business in, in the streaming world. I think, you know, Disney already owns A&E. They'll probably buy up the rest of A&E. That seems like a, an obvious one. Univision's an interesting one. Um, they've got this deal now with Televisa, but we'll see. You know, that's the Latin America is an interesting market at the moment. If you see the news recently, HBO Max has basically said they're going to delay their launch of their streaming service in Europe because they've got so much to do with Latin America. Well, that's interesting. So Latin America is kind of one of these, uh, let us say, very fertile grounds for the streamers to get in and figure out, you know, how to be the the one, two, three, four, fifth, you know, in the top five or six 
of the streaming giants. Because again, I don't think all of them are going to survive. You know, it's going to be, there's a race. Hmm. What else? Uh, EA is an interesting company. Um, you know, all the gaming companies are interesting. EA is, let us say, a little more vulnerable. So EA might get bought. I mean, Apple would be a, an, you know, an obvious buyer of that. Viacom CBS, you know, Viacom CBS is big, but it's not yeah. that big when you yeah. look at the, the big tech companies, deep pocket tech companies to go back to the, you know, the Death Stars. I mean, you know, Google could buy it, Apple could buy it. I mean, it's it's certainly something that would help uh, beef up their content plays because, of course, Viacom CBS has all those great brands. What Spotify, I think, is could, if it doesn't beef itself up fast enough, could be bought. I mentioned they might be bought by Facebook. You mentioned sports, um, you know, DAZN is something that I follow a lot because I think it's a really interesting company. You know, they could get bought up. I mean, again, they have that, again, those rights and that's content. And if you look at Apple, again, they might, I, I think Apple is one of the biggest buyers, if I can say that. I think that Apple, we're all waiting to figure out what the hell Apple's going to buy because it just seems obvious. You know, they've done the device thing. Uh, now they need to get the content machine going. And just to just to finish up on you know we're at a half halfway point of a year. What are you looking forward as you um, as you look into the next six months and you know the end of twenty twenty one? I think this move from sort of online entertainment into whatever it else is going to be this kind of metaverse that I talked about before. You know that's going to be interesting. As somebody who's interested in how that happens, we've kind of been there before. You know we've we've already got Fortnite. We, I don't know if you remember. Second Life was around for a while. Yeah. All this stuff, there's the things that have happened. You know, AR glasses, augmented reality glasses are getting better. You can do AR with your phone. So how are these things all going to come together? I think that's a trend that I'm watching because it's going to it's going to impact what these companies are going to buy, for example, because that's going to help them move into this next phase. Um, the other thing I'd say is that, and I've said it before, but I mean, I think only the big will survive. I think that, you know, there is a race going on in terms of getting a scale play big enough that you make it, if you see what I mean, and not just become a target for a purchase. I think, you know, we've talked about diversifying revenue streams, but I think, as I said before, you know, it's maybe not just about diversifying revenue streams, but it's about getting more things in your subscription that will make that a better subscription. Yeah, and I just, I just don't think it's going to end. I think when you look at... Uh, what's going on with the sort of the big media companies that what I call the big legacy media companies. I mean, Discovery and Warner Media, when that happened, I think we all went, really? Wow. That's, you know, because, you know, David Zaslav was always saying, oh, I'm going to be independent. I'm big, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and then to have this happen. And then the minute it was, it was announced and sort of, you know, 30 seconds later for somebody who wasn't in the loop on the, you know, the deal making, you go, Ah, perfect sense. Yeah, of course, yeah. And we're also going to see, I think one of the trends I'm also looking at is some of these players that I didn't think were going to actually make it, like Twitter's one. I thought Twitter was going to get taken out a while ago. They posted a huge surge in their um, revenues in the last the last quarter. Um, they're you know moving into e-commerce. They've already got buy buttons. They're talking about tools for tipping and all this kind of stuff. So will Twitter become something bigger, better than, than it was? And Snap is the same thing. I mean, Snap... Again, was kind of one of those companies on the periphery. You sort of thought, well, you know, I mean, it's interesting, but you know, but, and I think it's interesting. You know, how is social commerce capabilities going to change that? You know, this whole AR glasses. You know, how are they? How are they going to move, exploit that kind of stuff? And will it be something that will make them big enough? Or again, will they then become a target for whoever, somebody who wants to get into AR or, or 
some kind of social commerce, you know, e-commerce online inside the entertainment, you know, social media space. Yeah. yeah. Well, how about this? We invite you back in December and we can look back on the uh, second half of the year and, and see how much of that has come true. Uh, that would be, <laughs> be good. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, have a great summer and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much. It was fun to be with you. Thank you for listening. We'll be taking a break over the summer and we'll be back with a new episode in September. And don't forget to like and subscribe for new episodes in our media and entertainment series.